Hey everybody and welcome to the show. I'm James, that's Katie, and that makes this the final episode of Cloud Control for 2022. It is the first ever 12th episode of the show. Welcome, Kate, to our final show of the calendar year. How do you feel on this occasion? I feel like this is the episode I look forward to every single year because it's just so fun, like looking back on it all, going through all the games you've played and just kind of reliving those moments a little bit. And then there's the fun added stress of trying to categorize them and get all your favorite games on the list somehow. I know, it's really impossible, right? I, I mean, I, I don't know what you use for your uh, tracking, but like I, I'll use uh, How Long to Beat, that website. It actually shows people like estimates of how long it takes to beat games, but I don't really enter that, but it just has a great set of like graphs and you can keep track of stats of games you beat every year. And I just love lists and like, you know, statistics and stuff like that. So it's really interesting to me to, to track year over year. And every year when I come on this site to go through our awards and sort of go through the games I've beat and I look through this list and there's usually like what, like 20 or 30 on there depending. And it's just like, oh yeah, I played that this year. Oh my God, I forgot that was this year. Like that was so good. How am I going to get that on the list? And it just becomes like this terribly hard ordeal. Well, it's even worse when you don't track it. I say every year I'm going to start tracking it. And then inevitably by like March, I beat something and don't put it on. And mm -hmm. then I realize later I've forgotten something. And then I have, and then I just have a mental breakdown and I go, well, if I miss one thing, the whole list is ruined. So I'm not going to bother <laughs> and I'll just start next year. <laughs> oh, man. The stupidest logic, but I, you know, this 2023 is going to be the year my new year's resolution to track better okay. on that website <laughs> okay you have heard it here first i remember at the start of this year i was trying to get you oh yeah, yeah you should totally add that to yeah. your list and, and it I just started, didn't happen I did. and then oh god i don't know what happened and then you get into those games where it's like well i played this but like i didn't beat it so am i allowed to put it on the, the thing yeah, see, and like oh god. those are the ones that fuck me up because <laughs> i don't i don't put those on my yeah. list either and i just have to remember those ones like the ones you fall off of or it's like a longer ongoing game or things like Fortnite where i'm playing it like ongoing but you can't beat it so it becomes tough to track that it's a whole nother argument anyway that's not what we're here to talk about we're here to give out some awards today because this is the first ever annual 2022 cloud cup where we're giving away today our cloud cups in 11 different awards categories uh, which we will give to you in just a second. But before we do, we just want to thank everyone for listening uh, with another great year of podcasting. We've been doing this for what seems like forever now. So thank you for coming along with us and doing that. Um, and we also have some award winners from you guys who have written in from our audience as well. So just off the top, if you would like to write in your awards to be written out next show or in a future show, uh, we can do so at cloudcontrolpod at proton.me. Um, or you can get in touch with us, of course, on any of our social media links, which are in the description of the show wherever you're watching. Um, and thank you once again for all of the support and participation. We love it. And uh, it's going to be fun to see what you guys have written in as well. Um, so without further ado, Kate, I think that's all we have to go over uh, before introducing our um, uh, award categories for the year. Although I think before we do that, we just wanted to go over what our game of the year was from last year, uh, because that's always fun to look back. So what I forget, what were our games of the year from last year? Your game of the year was Metroid Dread. Uh, which is a fantastic game. I actually beat Metroid Dread maybe like three weeks ago. Uh, so that is a, that's an exciting one uh, for me to look back on. Yeah, very recent then for you. Mm -hmm. uh, Fitting of the awards, my, you, I think. 
Exactly, exactly. It's a good game. I really enjoyed it. Um, and then my game of the year was a slight shared title. Um, there was an honorable mention for Sekiro because it be I beat Sekiro for the first time, I think, right at the beginning of 2021. And so I played the majority of the game through 2022 and then beat it at 2021, just kind of had that, like, three weeks of it. So I had to say that, like, that was the best game I played all year. But the game that I fell in love with for a long period of time in that year was Returnal. And so Returnal took uh, the official prize with Sekiro being, like, you know, I just had to shout it out. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know me. Of course. <laughs> I got to get it in somewhere. <laughs> exactly. Okay, um, well, those are good games, fun to look back, but let's get into this year's awards because that's what we're here for, uh, of course, tonight. And so, uh, without further ado, why don't you introduce our listeners to this year's 11 categories, uh, mostly the same as the previous year, but um, we switched a little bit around, so uh, it's going to be fun. I, I think we have two new categories returning uh, and then some that have been slightly modified uh, for anyone keeping track at home. So our first uh, award is going to be for the most surprising game, a uh, game that was either far better, far worse, or far stranger than your initial expectations. And I love that. It's such a wild card. I like that award a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, number two is for best co-op, the best jolly cooperation, either couch or online. Uh, number three is going to be the funniest game, the game that demonstrated the highest level of comedic genius or led to the funniest circumstances. Uh, number four is the best comfort food game, the perfect game to curl up and relax with. Uh, very important in this trying winter times in Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> um, number five is probably my favorite. Well, one of my favorite categories is best new mechanic. So either the best new or unique use of a mechanic in a game. Uh, number six is a classic best music slash soundtrack. And then you do a little bit of headbanging on that one. Uh, number seven is most screenshotable. So this is quite a broad category, but it's going to be mostly for memorize or mesmerizing environment design, uh, creative locations, or just pure wow factor on the visuals. <laughs> it's got a wow effect on those visuals. <laughs> <laughs> yes it does uh, number eight is favorite character so that is the best development writing design uh, gameplay mechanics who has the fullest package of 2022 <laughs> um, number nine is our most unique game so not quite like anything you've ever experienced and maybe never will again uh, number 10 being the best ending, so the best boss fight, story beat, revelation, just something that had you holding your breath for those last final uh, sequences. And then, of course, number 11 is our definitive game of the year, which game embodies the rest of these categories and your brain will just not shut up about. <laughs> so, it's a great list. Yeah. It's a great we've list. We've got some, some good, unique stuff. Um, Definitely some things where like, you know, you play a game and you're like, I'm in love with this game, but it, it doesn't fit in every single category. And so you have to get a little bit creative and you kind of come up with some picks that sort of, you didn't expect to be on the list necessarily, but they're just so perfect for, for the category at hand. That's right. That's right. And so before we get into our winners, uh, two things. Number one, two rules that we just need to introduce right away. The first rule is, like you said, you cannot use the same game two times. So if I wanted to put Super Mario Brothers on my list for the best soundtrack, it could not win my game of the year. Only one. 
And number two is that we must have played this game this year. I think you said that as well. It doesn't have to be a game that came out this year. It just has to be something that we have played throughout the years of 2022, uh, new or old. <clears throat> and so um, just before anything else, uh, let's read out what our listeners wrote in because uh, it'll be fun to see what they wrote. So I think you had a couple and so did I. So go ahead. Yeah, so we we had um, a good write-in from our good friend of the show, Jonah, and he was wonderful and actually gave me his full list, um, which maybe I'll, I'll tweet somewhere, put something if, if you want to read the whole thing. But just in the essence of time uh, and fairness, I'll read a few out here that I think are really quite interesting. So for his most surprising, he put Plague Tale Innocence. Uh, mm. It was a game I mm. recommended to him. Uh, and he put down, he responded, he's like, I'd heard good things, but I didn't expect it to be this intense. Wow. <laughs> so he played with the rat controller uh, and had a good time. He's actually playing the second one now. So it was, uh, we, we've done a good deed on this show. Um, for our number four award, the best comfort game, uh, the perfect game to curl up with, he put Stray. And he wanted to point out that it literally has napping built into the game. <laughs> How can you argue? How can you argue? <laughs> That's that is pretty cozy. Uh, for our screenshotable award, the best environments, he put down, of course, Fashion Souls 3, aka Dark Souls 3, mm -hmm. for amazing vistas, uh, level designs, and of course, the player fashion. Uh, and then, most importantly, his Game of the Year award goes to one of your favorite games, James. He played Spider-Man. Nice. Uh, he, actually, he actually put it for his favorite character as well of... Uh, Peter Parker. Oh, no, that's a little so, cheating. A little cheating. But a little you know cheating, what? So, he didn't know the rules. I mean, so it's fine. Well, no, he did. He did. Oh, come on. <laughs> he, in fact, his, his quote, in fact, says, I'm ignoring your rule if you can't pick a game more than once because the character and the control of him is why the game is so good. Flipping through New York feels incredible. Almost as incredible as the verb flipping itself. <laughs> <laughs> I um, like that answer yeah. so much. You're almost justified in cheating but i still don't respect it <laughs> <laughs> i respect it because sometimes on this show i cheat <laughs> that's true all right um, i had a couple of responses to the most unique game they've played this year although kind of funny responses um mike friend of the show mr del monster wrote in and said he hasn't really played anything unique this year um he's just trying to game the twitch algorithm so he can't put his finger on it so i guess that's kind of a unique response uh and then uh ryan wrote in and said nhl 23 isn't like nothing he's ever played before and i know ryan <laughs> and i know that all he plays is nhl so i guess uh for him that is a good perspective to have <laughs> <laughs> it's maybe very different from like you know 21 right like, yeah exactly exactly two years, also, of, two years of roster changes right? well i mean it's of course while. and like the crowd looks marginally more improved as well like what, what else can you say uh i also had a response from uh one james holiday on twitter for the funniest game he's played all year and he actually wanted to give it to pentiment for some pretty comical moments um although high on life was another game he brought up and i thought high on life was one that immediately came to my head too but it's like i haven't played that game so i couldn't write it but i just know like we saw so many trailers of that game and it's known for like the humor style and all that so maybe that's a good one yeah that was the hardest word for me. I feel like not a lot of games are like comedy centered games. Like a lot of games have comedy in them, but it's very, you get high in life and like stick of truth. And like every now and again, one of the, like a comedy game comes out, but it's, they're very specific. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But those, those are good picks. Those good, good picks. Good picks. Good picks. NHL. <laughs> <laughs> in the eye of the beholder. In the eye of the mm -hmm. beholder. 
All right, let's get into our awards. Uh, Before we do, Kate, were there any games that you couldn't wedge into your 11 uh, award slots that you just wanted to give a tiny shout out for that just couldn't quite make the cut? Yes, I have three games here that I am deeply, deeply emotionally involved in, uh, but just they just didn't make it on the list for various reasons. So the first one is one of the best games I've ever played, uh, Detroit Become Human. You already wow. talked so, so much about this game. Uh, and it was up for nomination in multiple categories for me. Um I'm shocked but that Connor just, might not might have won your character of the year there. You know what? Connor was up there. Yeah, Connor was was in really strong contention. Uh, I love I love Connor. It was it's such a good game. One of the best I've ever played. Like I would recommend it more than some of the games that are winning awards on my <laughs> list here today. But just the nature of what the categories were, it didn't quite slot into anything perfectly. It is um, the nature of our award show. That is the nature of the award show. So that is my my mention of please go play this game. Uh, next, I have a game called Dark. Uh, I don't know if you remember that game. It was on a PS Plus offering this year. I remember that I spelt it wrong on uh, uh, the <laughs> thumbnail for the video. Yeah, it's Dark, but it's, it ends with a Q instead of a K. So it could have been up for most unique game based on that alone. Uh, unfortunately, it, it isn't going to win. <laughs> um, but it was just a really clever puzzle game. It had a really kind of spooky atmosphere. Um, and it, it just had some really unique puzzle solvings, a lot about like kind of shifting the level's perspective. So it was 2D, you'd be running along and you'd get to like a wall. And then all of a sudden, instead of like running into the wall, you'd get to the wall and then all of a sudden you'd be walking on that wall. Like that would yeah, now yeah, be the yeah, floor. Right. And it kept just tilting levels and these really neat, like, perspective shifts and i was horrible at it because i'm really bad at directions (laughs) but likely i played it with some friends very good game a couple hours long cute indie uh and finally now just hold your breath for a second because you're gonna freak out but there's a reason for this is god of war ragnarok is not winning an award for me this year however the reason is i have not finished the game and i am going to be continuing to play it well into 2023 and it is going to guarantee win an award at our next year's show but i want to finish it before i can definitively say like what award it's going to be and like which character do you pick there are mm-hmm, so many mm-hmm. contenders in that one so that is that is a holding off not a uh, lack of winning <laughs> you know what you know what i was gonna i was thinking about how i was gonna razz you for this and just be saying oh kate mm-hmm. this is how you've squeezed all your games into these categories isn't it you push god of war to yeah, the next the year is, that, the problem is though is that next year i'm gonna have a bunch of new games and that's then right. like it, it well, just, that's what it i just thought snowballs, so, that's what i yeah. thought and then also i thought at the same time as well you kind of have a fair point because you're definitely not you know, quite even at the halfway point, I wouldn't imagine from where I'm at. And like, I've played enough. It is in one of my award categories, but mm-hmm. I feel like I'm near the end. I kind of know where I'm at. So, okay. Um, we've been stalling enough. Uh, let me get to my uh, honorable mentions very quickly to stall just a little bit more. And then we'll uh, get into it. I wanted to nominate Dragon Quest Eleven for Best Innovative Mechanics so badly because I loved the crafting system in that game. I loved the way you could collect the materials so easily and just kind of have that fun little mini game to upgrade your armor. But at the end of the day, it still just wasn't that unique. And it's just a crafting system. You know, it's not like super integral. Just couldn't get it. But I love that game. Great RPG if you're looking for one on Game Pass, especially. Um, Monster Sanctuary. 
so close to being a comfort food game. And in fact, it was the best comfort food game ever for like a two week span when you and I were both addicted to it and just catching <laughs> monsters. And what do they evolve to? What is their light and dark form? Like, what's your team? Yeah. So much fun to play through that. Um, I wanted to shout out Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze for no other reason other than it's just such a good game. I don't think it fits any into any of these categories well enough but it's kind of just like wow if you're looking for a 2d platformer with some challenge that's like way tougher than it looks given like the com- the donkey kong kind of aesthetic that game is awesome uh, i think you would really like it actually kate uh, you know what i've played um the first two donkey kong countries and uh, i love mm-hmm, those games mm-hmm. so yeah freeze has been on my list but i just yeah yeah know. i'll lend it to you and finally uh, another one i just couldn't squeeze on there citizen sleeper please play this game fantastic narrative it's got some really cool dice mechanics where you make your decisions and i just love the the story about like you know futuristic capitalism and what does it mean to be human you're getting your like consciousness taken out of your body so is the reploid you're in still a human or is it not like it's so fascinating you have to like detroit yeah it's really cool it's kind of (laughs) similar to that yeah kind of similar i like it yeah So anyway, uh, those are my honorable mentions, and let's get into our first award of the show. It is our most surprising game of 2022. Um, The uh, description of the awards will be on the screen and everything. We already wrote them out, so we won't go through it again. But Kate, I would like to hear from you. What is your most surprising game of 2022? My most surprising game of the year is not the first game on, or sorry, not the last game on my list of games that I've played based on your recommendation. So I must uh, tip my hat to you a few times here. And this is Unpacking. Great Um, choice. I fell in love with Unpacking. Um, It's such a simple game. You sit, like the premise is literally you keep moving and you have boxes that you bring with you and you unpack boxes. And it's a very light puzzle game in terms of like unpack this box like the book has to go on the shelf or on like the bedside table. You can't put the book in the kitchen because that's silly. And so there's a little bit of like some logic puzzle to it, but largely you're just kind of unpacking boxes and sort of decorating this house. Like, you know, you know, like there's nothing more to it. It's literally dragging things. That's the whole gameplay aspect to it. But what makes unpacking special is the journey you follow. It is such an emotional game. And I became so attached to it because you start out and it's like a childhood bedroom. And then the next level as you go on, you go through all the stages and the trajectory of how this person's life plays out from, you know, moving, like moving out to school and having roommates and having a partner and like, you know, moving back home when things didn't work out and how all the different stages and as someone who's moved a few times in my life now and in very different circumstances, it was something I really related to. And it's amazing, like just the the level of storytelling with no dialogue at all or no text, no nothing in the game. It's just, you really get to feel, you get to know this person based on the things that she decides to bring with her. And then suddenly, you know, at one house, something that's been there for the last two or three is gone. She's gotten rid of it or she's replaced it with something else. Or, you know, she's mixing her things with the person that she's moved in with. And, and you know, you can't, you don't need two clocks that go in this space, right? So you've got to mix and match. And it just tells such a beautiful human story in such a simplistic way that 
I, I thought it was going to be one of those games where I would get to re- or nominate it for like comfort game because I thought mm-hmm, it'd just be kind of mm-hmm. cozy, nice, look at this story. But it was just so emotional. Like it wasn't relaxing. It was like play a level, like go sit and like reflect on your life and have a cry and like <laughs> <laughs> play a level the next day. And It's not what man. you'd expect from a game like that, especially no. going into it. And you're right. It reminded me a lot of a game like Florence when I played it. Just, uh, you know, a little unsuspecting indie game with a cute art style that ends up making you feel mm-hmm. something about your life on such a tangible mm-hmm. level. Because like you said, we all have those little items that we've moved with a few times or something that you've kept that used to be on your main shelf, but now it's like in the back of your closet, something like that. I mean, I've got old game systems on the closet right up here beside where I'm sitting. Yeah. And it's like, it's just cool to have that experience virtually. Exactly. And there's, there's things too that you bring with you and you're like, I don't even know why, like I, they're not displayed anywhere. They're packed away in a box, but you just can't bring yourself to get rid of them. They're sentimental. And I, I just really bought into the experience of this game. And I think if, if you have ever like moved around and you can relate to that in some way, like it is a powerful, powerful game. Um, so thank you for making me play unpacking because I probably wouldn't have really like paid it much attention otherwise. And one of the best games I've played 2022, hands down. Well, all I ask is that you pass along <laughs> the magic of unpacking to others mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> so we can spread the joy and everyone can play because yeah, it, it is a very special game. And I think sticking to the definition of a game that was far better or far worse than our initial expectations, I think that is a great spot for unpacking too because there's no way you would anticipate it would be as good as it is uh, based on the premise so great pick i'm coming in really hot for mine on the first uh the first award it is the most surprising game it is elden ring it is my most surprising game of the year um i was wondering if elden (laughs) ring would get on the board for you yeah no here's the thing i mean i think when we first talked about elden ring on the show like Mm -hmm. I think from my perspective, at least, we both really liked it. But I, I think I came across as negative on it in times just because of how much you love the game. And mm-hmm. I really liked Elden Ring as well, obviously enough. And part of it is because I'm surprised of how much I liked it. I thought most surprising game. I mean, I liked it way more than I thought, so why not? But it's more than just how much I liked the game. It was I'm, I was surprised a few things about it, too. I was surprised at just how well the open world structure worked in that context of a Souls game. Um, one of the things I was saying right at the start was how much it helped someone like me that wasn't the best at the game because I could just go over here and try this. And if I got stuck there, I could wander over here and find someone else to fight. And I was surprised that that wasn't as daunting as it sounded um, before Mm -hmm. playing the game. Like that sounded like, oh my God, not only am I going to have to fight all these guys, but I'm also going to need to navigate this giant world and figure out where I'm going and not get lost and have enough health and find the bonfires and have enough, Mm -hmm. you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like that's daunting, but it ended up being so easy with the the horse and the maneuverability and the fast travel and i really was surprised at how approachable that made the game for me and a very good map system take Mm -hmm. note people put let us put map markers wherever we want it's so nice (laughs) (laughs) agreed agreed and you know and then just visually as well like you were mentioning before like uh, i think jonah had written in the surprising vistas and the i mean amazing In in dark souls 3 like i was just I think I was surprised on a different level with Elden Ring. I mean, we go into these games like God of War, Elden Ring, like they're all Horizon, all these AAA games, they all have views and amazing scenery these days. But I think Elden Ring just had something of a scope that was unexpected to me. 
as has been documented, you know, pretty heavily. But I remember the first time you kind of go down the elevator and you get to that underground sort of area down the well. And I remember actually, I was the first one of like, I think the people I was talking mm-hmm. to, including you, you to, have, to have found yeah. it. And I was like, just like when you get down there, just wait. Like it was fucking shocking like how yeah. big that area is and just how expansive the game was. And and so just for those reasons, I thought the game really blew me away. It was more playable, more enjoyable than I thought. Did I have my problems? Did I did I ever finish it? Of course I didn't, but I played for nearly 50 hours and enjoyed the hell out of it, which is a lot more than I played other games for. And to be fair, for most games, that is easily finishing it. It's exactly, just yeah. that Elgin exactly. is a behemoth. It's just too big. And, I mean, I was, yeah. I was never going into it expecting to finish it, but I played a lot more than mm-hmm. I thought. And, you know, I got some other surprises too, because I have to razz the game a little bit. There's a lot of surprises. <laughs> When you uh, <laughs> equip different equipment and you don't know what the stats do, you get surprised by whatever it means. And yeah. <laughs> sometimes you use an item, you don't know what it's going to do, you get a surprise because nothing makes any fucking sense. <laughs> sometimes you open a chest and oopsies. So there's those kind of surprises too. Yes. Um, but what a great game. I just had to award it something. I don't think it fit perfectly in any of these other awards for me. I know for you it might be comfort food. It's funny because you understand the story, unlike me. It's got a grudge of mechanics you know you could award it to a lot of these but uh for me it was most surprising and i'm happy to award it um with mm-hmm. such a distinction well that that is a wonderful thing you put a big smile on my face i feel like i've won game of the year it's not a competition <laughs> but i feel like i've won it already so that's congratulations to me um <laughs> but we will move on to our number two our best co-op game uh, and I am very interested to hear what you have to say about this because mm-hmm. we've played a few co-ops together. We this have year. played a few co-op games together this year. I mean, we started Gears of War two as one that we played. We, uh, we played some As Dusk Falls. We played some As Dusk Falls. Beaten that we one. played a few of the, um, those like where we were we were here together. That's right. Kind of I think some games. of those were last year actually. Operation, but, Operation but, Tango, uh, I think, mm-hmm, was this mm-hmm. year that we played. So, we played a lot, um, and you know what? There was it came down to two though, Kate. It came down to two. Mm-hmm. Number uh, it was a runner up between. Oh, where is this game? I'm looking at my list now, frantically trying to find it. And I'm going to give up because I can't do it. Oh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Shredder's Revenge. I love that right, game, and it was good. Yeah, we know. had a after that game we had the all all six cast or yeah, something we, we had a fun night we had a good time but you know what when i believed in my heart of hearts here i had to clarify some rules with you and i had to go with this game that's just taken over my life and it is Fortnite. i cannot <laughs> i cannot believe you know i i can accept that because we have played Fortnite that's true. together we played so Fortnite. i'm still on the board <laughs> but here's the thing something like tnt was a great night like we had a blast playing that game but Fortnite, i've literally now been playing once a week every night on a same like we have a scheduled night we play like this is a thing in my life now where i play Fortnite, and it is such a blast like the way that they make cooperative play fun when since the building has been taken out is just phenomenal it is so fun to get in there with your squad and you can do these funny team you know activities we can play metallica in there now we're doing all kinds of fun things we make different squads that all match up and they just keep the game so fresh there's always a new character coming out there's always going to be um you know new areas in the environment the new season just started there's a medieval vibe now there's things covered in ice there's bows where you can grapple onto places and like zip line yourself up into the sky um you select augments now like in between each storm round and get different bonuses which change how you play um I mean, there's just so much going on all the time. And when you play it that once a week, kind of really nice cadence, there's always something fresh when you log on. And it's just like this addiction. 
of co-op goodness. And it's just so satisfying to win these battle royale games. I don't know what it is. It's just like you want to get that crown every time. And when you get it, it's just so, so sweet. But that game is just fantastic. And I don't see myself stopping this game anytime soon. It's probably going to be my co-op game next year as well. That's fantastic. I, I think like it's important too to have a game like that where it's like, you know, you get the squad together and it's like, it's almost more like hanging out than it is playing the game, mm -hmm. but it is really, really enhanced when the game is fun. And then you get to that level where you're getting good enough that you sort of start doing silly things or you just kind of like, oh, you know, like you go you pick skins that all match for, for the round or something. Right. And it just, it evolves past the game into this like more of an experience than than anything else and that's right yeah. we're currently Fortnite trying to get a win where we gather around the last person and play the metallica band uh master <laughs> puppet song around their dead body yeah. but the problem is you only have a split second to move before you kind of right. get frozen out of it so unless you're like already crowding the guy which when is that ever the situation it's just impossible but um <laughs> another shout out for Fortnite too though before we move along to yours it looks so good with the new unreal engine 5 update yeah like the lighting yeah. is amazing. And you know, the other thing I've noticed that is just really sharp. So next time you guys are playing, watch out for it is when you're in a boat or on the water, the way that you, the light go, kind of goes through the water, you can see the the riverbed or like the edges of the water going down. So it's actually like tangible, like where you would walk on it, I think is actually like visible to you. And it's just so realistic looking. Right. It has like genuine depth of like mm -hmm. where it mm -hmm. would start to like get deeper. Yeah, that is so cool. cool. Epic are such great developers like yeah. just shout out to epic if it there just, was a developer uh, of the year it would be from soft but if it wasn't from soft <laughs> it would be. fair enough fair enough but shout out to fortnite best co-op experience you could possibly have uh fantastic game keep it up can't wait to play again next wednesday shout out to the squad <laughs> shout out to the boys that's uh darth vader on drums over there that's right <laughs> and uh sec and sexy indie on guitar that's right. <laughs> What's your funniest uh, well, game or your co-op game, Kate? Let's hear it. My best co-op game. So this is where Detroit got shoved to recommendation because I personally think that the style of choose your own adventure, uh, interactive story games are best played socially. Uh, I played Detroit with, with a friend of mine and him and I had like the best time. We would like stress over choices and then spend like the, the next hour after playing, like discussing, well, what would happen if we'd done, you know, this other choice or like, oh, what do you think? Like, what do you think the consequence of this is going to be? And it's just such a wonderful <laughs> social experience. But then a game like As Dusk Falls comes along and it takes that concept and it bakes it straight into the game. So the difference between Detroit is and why Dusk Falls is up here as the award winner uh, is because in Detroit, you're passing the controller back and forth. And, you know, you, you're taking turns, you're making choices. And when it's a parkour section and Connor's on the screen, I'm playing because we can't let him die. I'll never forgive you if you kill Connor. <laughs> but in As Dust Falls, you are uh, enforced to play with a team of people, with some friends, with a group either online or in person. And whenever a decision comes up, instead of you guys talking about it and then you know one person managing the controller, you actually play on your phone and you make those choices, like you vote for the choice you want to make. And so that little aspect adds so much. And I think it's really smart to encourage that kind of like social aspect to the game because it, it adds so much. 
Uh, and then SS Fall is just a, a fucking good game too. Like on top of that, um, it, it's so good. The consequence structure is amazing. I think another thing that really adds to the co-op element of this is that it's a lot less obvious or it's a lot more difficult to predict what the choice is going to influence later in the game. Like I found a lot with um, Detroit, even though I love the story so much, I kind of had an idea of who I thought the characters were. And it was, while the choices definitely led to twists and turns I didn't expect, there were a lot of times where it was like, okay, with Connor, for example, like this is the route that is going to make him kind of like, you know, gain a bit more mm -hmm. humanity mm -hmm. and kind of open up his consciousness. And then this is the one that's like the hard robotic. And there were definitely ambiguous choices, but there were some of those kind of more clear. Yeah, sort of the Mass white. Effect style where you choose Renegade Paragon yeah, type of thing. Some of those paths or like, you know, am I going to be a pacifist or am I going to be violent with, with the um, with Marcus storyline where he's leading the rebellion? And the ambiguity is, you know, is that going to be successful and how is that going to affect the rest of the world? But less ambiguity is in like how it's going to affect that character individually. But in Dusk Falls, it was really, really shockingly difficult to tell if you were ever making a good choice. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, we would talk about it and we would stress, like we played it, the two of us and then our other brother as well. So we had three, which was good because we could always tie break with an uneven number. But, you know, sometimes we make a decision like, oh, God, that's not what we wanted. Mm. Or like, <laughs> you yeah. know, something horrible um, as a consequence of what we did, or sometimes we'd look at the options like these are all absolutely terrible. What do we do? <laughs> yeah, I think what you're talking about is is getting distilled in my mind. It's something very well that goes. It's just explaining why the co-op nature of this is so good. And it's kind of like Mario Party in a way. Part of the reason Mario Party is so hectic and good for co-op and like multiplayer is because you can sit down and you just know some crazy shit is going to happen. Well, with this, <laughs> yeah, like you can sit down with As Dust Falls with, a group, with your group of people. And because it's kind of difficult to predict what those decisions are going to result in, it makes it kind of like that randomness of Mario Party that's like, oh my God, I can't believe, like, oh shit, I didn't expect that was going to happen. Like, now we got to get our way out of this. And it's just these situations that come up so fast and you have to react. And we had yeah. just such a good time talking over the game and about the game while we were playing. You're right. Just awesome. Yeah, exactly. And speculating of like, what's going to happen next? Or, you know, like, oh, I think that character, this is their secret kind of thing. So, and it was a really well-written game, obviously, that is going to contribute. Uh, the writing was fantastic. The characters were all really interesting. There was a lot of like, you know, moral gray where you had to kind of decide, you know, if something was the right choice, what would be worth it? Where does, where do things go too far? Uh, you know, where do you take self-preservation versus doing the right thing? I uh, had a lot of really interesting themes and it, it seems like it can end in a lot of different ways uh, as mm -hmm. well. And with there being a very big plot twist at the end, uh, I'm really hoping that we get another chapter because I would like more Dust Falls in my life. <laughs> yeah, and there's just so many things we need to learn about the game too. We'll, we'll have to do an episode mm -hmm. on it in the new year. We haven't actually talked about mm -hmm. it on the regular show yet, but we will because uh, we just we finished will. it and it was fun. Um, but for now, let's talk about our next award, which is, of course, the funniest game. Uh, and so this is one for you, especially, Kate, that I am interested to hear your answer, because like you said, you don't play a lot of funny games. So what is it? Funny games. Um, I mostly have I laugh the most in games because I play a lot of games with friends 
and we end up just cracking up at like us failing mm-hmm. as players or something that just went terribly unlucky or horribly wrong um and and things like that so my funniest game is actually uh, (laughs) your last game of the year in metroid dread (laughs) oh my god (laughs) and metroid dread is not a particularly funny game um i was a little limited i'd say by i didn't really play tons of games that were funny i actually considered ragnarok because ragnarok is genuinely hilarious sometimes yeah um but i picked metroid dread because there was something about this game. Uh, me and my best friend played it, and we struggled so much with the controls of this game. I don't know why. It's not usually an issue either of us have, but we just could not wrap our head around how to how to control things. <laughs> and to be fair, it gets quite complicated. It does. Metroid Dread. Like a lot of the time, you're holding down like three buttons to do something. Like there's a shoot button, but if you want to shoot a missile, you have to hold down the missile button and then press shoot. But then if you want to aim, you have to hold down the button to aim and then aim while holding down the missile button and then press shoot. And so you're doing a lot of complicated things and it can get a little hectic because there's some pretty tough boss fights in the game Mm -hmm. and some pretty um, challenging platforming sections as well. So and and then you have the grappling hook for all the tough platforming sections and like that is hold down the grappling hook button and hold down the aim and then press shoot but don't let go of the grappling hook button by mistake because then you'll just fall. And <laughs> so we just it's it's a complicated control scheme. And the nature of how we played this game is we'd play like a night and then we'd spend like a month before we'd play again because which does not um, help the control scheme. Which is not how, but it was just like we had a, we had a group that was playing a lot of um, Gloomhaven, and this was our game for when the other guys weren't around to gloom, and so we're like, oh great, we'll have a Metroid Dread night. So we played it super infrequently, and every time we pick it up, we're like, oh god, how do we play? <laughs> and we like struggle, and so <laughs> it just became so funny that by the time we were like halfway through the game. We'd sit down to play and we'd hand the controls to the to whoever's gonna start and we just start laughing and then be like, all right, like <laughs> go ahead, what are you gonna do? And they'd be like, all right. And we'd be like, okay, we get to a puzzle, like, okay, shoot that missile, and they just like turn into a ball. Because <laughs> they did like totally the wrong thing. Or we'd be like on a platform section and be like, okay, we well, gotta grapple that way, and they'd like grapple but not stick to it and just fall and then like shoot a missile or just do something so outrageous that's amazing <laughs> and it just every single time we played there was like ridiculous stuff that happened just based on the controls of this game alone that it became this stupid narrative of like we had a running joke of like okay when you get into a boss fight the first thing you want to do is turn into a ball three times and then shoot a missile backwards <laughs> because that will intimidate them <laughs> And it just, it colored my experience. So now when I think of Metroid Dread, despite it being a good game, I really like. The main thing that I think about that is sticking with me of this game is just how funny, like, we'd just be crying because it'd be like, okay, we know how to solve the puzzle now, but you're not doing it. You're touching every single (laughs) button, but the button that solves it. (laughs) That's so funny because my experience is is so different because I played it over the course Mm -hmm. of like two weeks by myself and I just, I was not really having yeah. a lot of those issues because you get kind of locked in on the controls and <laughs> exactly you get though. used to it you learn it after you know after we play for an hour we'd be significantly better but it was always that first time we'd sit back down and we go oh here here we go again 
<laughs> My God. Well, this is the only podcast where Metroid Dread will ever be referred to as the funniest game of the year. So there you have it. The awards have been won by, by Metroid Dread. Mm-hmm. Two years in a row. It's our That's first right. game ever to win two years in a row. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, my funniest game was none other than the obvious choice. Now, I don't really play a lot of funny games either. Usually for me, it's like if I play a Phoenix Wright or something, you know, there's some good humor in those. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you, if you've ever watched the Marvel movie Guardians yeah, of the Galaxy, of the Galaxy. you might yeah. have a thing yeah. or an idea or two about how funny this game might be because the relationship that the Guardians have in those movies and the banter back and forth and the razzing each other and the joking and the like yeah. white lies to deceive each other for no reason other than just to get under each other's skin and just on and on. That is this game and the Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, I mean, the game itself was pretty fun. Wasn't the best game of the year or anything, but the funniest game is hands down Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and I mean, this game did something that games don't often do. Like we said, we don't play a lot of funny games. Like this game had me actually laughing on the couch at times just because like you would in a Marvel movie, right? Like there's a couple quotes I wrote down. I just watched a couple little scenes from the from the game because it's been a while since I played. But these scenes just come back and they're so funny. Like they're talking about who would be a better leader. And then Drax is like, I would trust Peter Quill's incompetence over the rodent's lies. <laughs> like, and they're just like debating these things. And then That's there's awesome. another scene with Drax too, where they're like, you're like going through a planet, you know, you're on this, on this journey, you're like going across the crust and killing enemies and all this stuff. And Quill's like, oh, look, we're coming across the, we're up to the fortress. Like it's getting larger on the, on the horizon. And Drax is like, no, we're just getting closer. <laughs> like, he just shuts him down. And just those one-liners so from Drax. Just kill me. But you like, know what? Thinking about those Drax lines, it almost reminds me of Kratos. Like he's kind of got similar. a similar sort of yeah. humor going on. They steer it. But instead of being like, Kratos is a, doesn't miss the jokes. I think he just doesn't care. You yeah. Know? He's, just, so he's just shutting them down. But yeah, Versus, just yeah. the, I mean, beyond the Jack Drax jokes though, there's just a lot of other stuff going on. You know, Rocket and his own relationship with Groot is hilarious. The way they kind of can only communicate there's this point in the game where you can get a llama or some space version of a llama to come on your ship and it's just constantly, you know, eating the wiring or like leaving the fridge open or just doing messy things and rockets mm-hmm. freaking out. You know, it's just these little, little dynamics that you get. And I think it's the type of humor, again, like we're saying some of these things like unpacking is very specific to video games. I think this humor is too, because unlike the movies, you don't really get a lot of the downtime between the characters. You don't really get a lot of like, Oh, well, they're on the journey. Like, what are the side conversations they're having? Like, how do Gamora and Drax go back and forth about, like, how to spend the, the mm. ship's finances or something? And what does that conversation look like? And there's some of it builds on the humor, but other of it's just, like, building a deeper relationship with these characters so that the funny parts, like, they resonate more because you see where they're coming from. And I just love mm. this cast so much that I really hope they get to make another game because it was it was legitimately very funny. And I would I would buy this game specifically for the humor, which is something I don't think I've said about a game before. But that's how good it is. It, it truly is something special. That's awesome. And I think we said when that game came out, it's going to live or die by how good mm-hmm. the group dynamic is. So knowing that that is like a standout part of the game is, is a huge yeah. recommendation. It's funny. I mean, I know some people did have um, some complaints about uh, Star-Lord and whatnot. I mean, I can see why, but all in all, like as a cast, it's an ensemble cast game, you know, and, and it's it's great. Mm-hmm. That is fantastic. Uh, and that will take us into number four, our best comfort food game. 
so take us away. It's not Monster Sanctuary for you. Uh, so it what, is not. What it is not. It is not Monster Sanctuary. And you know what? This was, I will tell you right now, when I sat down to write down my award winners for this Marvel year, <laughs> this was the easiest award for me to give. It's Marvel Snap, game. isn't it? It's Marvel <laughs> Snap. Is yours Marvel yeah. Snap too? No, but it's Jonah's not. was Marvel Snap. Okay, so you, it's Marvel you Snap. Have a <laughs> there is no debate what the best comfort food game is this year. I play this game anywhere that I'm comfortable because I've got my phone with me no matter where I go. Um, look, this game just feels so nice. It's a comforting Marvel little branded package. You know, there's that delicious comic book art. You get those dopamine hits of upgrading your cards in a way that is actually attainable without doing a lot of microtransactions. Like you don't really have to pay any money. Um, I did buy the battle pass for one season, not for the second season. Didn't feel like it was really worth it two times, but it was cool. The point of the game is it's just, it's so bite-sized like we've talked about before on the show. And it's just like the one more game mentality of the way that it's so short and snappy is just perfect. It is one more game, one more game, one more game. Oh, if I just play one more ongoing card, then I can finish this challenge and I can mm. have enough tokens to upgrade this card so it's a better border around it. Oh, now it can have 3D text if I just do one more game and unlock this again. It is just this game of feeling good about yourself. I feel like I win enough. And <laughs> <laughs> it's just a joy to see like what's the next character you're going to unlock. You know, what kind of decks can you make around these characters? It's fun and comfortable to make the decks because they're so small. There's just such an approachability about it and you feel like you're pulling off some really cool combos you know it you never feel like you're completely out of most of the games you play unless you're a total idiot so it makes you feel like good about yourself it's just good vibes and if you have a cell phone which i'm assuming you do you owe it to yourself to play marvel snap because this game is something else and i don't think i've been as addicted to a game as addicted to a game since slay the spire as i have been to this <laughs> yeah. game this is the new addiction right here everybody mm -hmm. Well, card games seem to clean up on comfort food. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. and, you know, a lot of it too. A lot of it too for me is the fact that it's on my phone. Like this game is yeah. perfect for mobile. I know you've played it on Steam. You've played it on the computer. I mean, I'm sure it's great there as well. But the fact that it's so perfect on your phone, like it, it just adds to that comfort food ability because I was playing Monster Sanctuary on my computer sitting right here. I'm in my mm -hmm. chair right now. This isn't that comfortable. I can play Marvel Snap in the bathtub. <laughs> That is true. You can play Marvel Snap <laughs> in the bathtub. You can play it on the airplane. You can play it at work. That's right. You can play it. I would never play shopping. it at work. I would never play it at work, Kate. Come on. Oh, I, I, I never. I would never. Marvel I would never Snap. do that on company that, time. That's never where I play the most <laughs> ever. <laughs> okay. Okay. I did not put Marvel Snap. As I'm, my I'm game, surprised by but, that. Honestly, I thought we might have tied. Because I know you've been playing a lot. We we almost tied because I put Monster Sanctuary. Okay. <laughs> so nice. I took your second pick. Um, the, the difference with me here is that while I love Marvel Snap and I completely 100% agree with everything you said, I don't feel as invested in Marvel Snap as I do in a game like Monster Sanctuary. I personally really like a sense of progression when I play a game. So I gravitate more towards story games or games that have a very clear kind of like prompt versus like, you know, crafting open world, mm -hmm. like Minecraft, like build something kind of stuff. And Marvel Snap fulfills that for me in the sense of like, there's the progression of going through the track and unlocking all the cards. But largely you are 
just playing matches and there's not a story and just all playing tracking. matches having not oh god how dare you reduce <laughs> this, this, this it, game. Sounds it sounds reductive i don't mean to to <laughs> to claim that as a criticism it is exactly what the game intends it's fantastic it does everything it sets out to do it's a 10 out of 10 for what it wants to do it's just not the style of game i normally <laughs> get too into so i snap i usually snap every day i do my quests not at work obviously no come on how would you say that um but i snap uh but what i liked most this year for comfort was monster sanctuary there was maybe a span of a couple months where i played it and it just became my go-to game of like curl up at the end of the evening i've got an hour before i'm gonna go to bed you know i put some youtube on and I'm half paying attention to that. And with the other half, I'm fiddling and playing Monster Sanctuary. And that to me is like the comfort game is it's mm -hmm. like, what do I do to relax, wind down? It's just positive. It's a nice world to be in. Uh, it's pretty. It's got cool biomes. The monsters are all really fun and unique. And it's exciting to see, you know, you go to the next area and what do you find? And there's like, oh, there's a cool snail. Shells, crystals instead of, you know, the swirly bit they normally have, <laughs> uh, which probably has a name. <laughs> Shell. <laughs> and, I, and I should know it, Shell. Um, and it, it was just fun. You know, there was a lot of cute mechanics. It wasn't overly complicated, but there was some depth. So it struck, struck, struck that balance uh, very nicely for me. You know what? A strength in, uh, I'm, I'm so relaxed thinking about Monster Sanctuary. I'm getting tired. <laughs> I'm starting to fall asleep. I yeah. can't talk. Um, yeah, Monster Sanctuary was a great game. We ranked it pretty highly on our creature capture list. And Indeed. I think when a creature capture game is good, that to me is the perfect nostalgia comfort food type of game. That's true. And nostalgia is a big part of Monster Sanctuary as well. Like it almost won yeah. this award for me. A lot of it's to do with like mm -hmm. those aesthetics kind of look like Maple Story and it kind of yeah. controls like Maple Story. And then there's the mm -hmm. Pokemon thing to it. And yeah, it was a good runner up for me for the same, the same mm -hmm. reason for sure. Um, but here we go. Here's one of our favorite categories coming up next. And this is this is always one that I'm most excited, I think, to see your answer, aside from Game of the Year, just because of what the how specific this one can get. And mm -hmm. so this is, what is the best new mechanic that you saw in a game this year? Or use of a Or like, use of a mechanic, yes, yes. Um, okay, so I played this game like in January, or I played this game in january and february so it was way back at the start of the year and i was super stoked when i realized that it does qualify i played fury and i fucking loved it <laughs> nice fury is genuinely one of my favorite games of all time now it is so incredibly weird if you've not heard of fury look it up right now because i'm going to explain it and it's going to sound like an absolute mess it is half okay so it's a boss rush game it is half a dual stick bullet hell shooter and half a top-down fast-paced melee action game. That's a lot. Sometimes it feels kind of soulsy, especially there's like a boss you fight in 2D where you have to like, with an emphasis on like carefully time like attacks and dodges and parries. And with every boss you're learning boss patterns and like you'll fail quite a few times before you finally beat them. They have many phases that you learn and they change and evolve throughout the fight. And it just kind of swaps seamlessly between all of these different types of gameplay just mid-fight. And it doesn't feel jarring. You'd expect it to, but it feels like a really cohesive package, despite being like three different games in a trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've just never seen a game kind of take 
concepts that don't normally fit together and put them into such a well-designed and tight package. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen anything like Fury. I've never played anything like Fury. The studio has a couple of their games that are nothing like it. They're just, it's this totally weird. They kind of like did a super giant sort of thing where they're like, we just, just we just vomited on this page and it's beautiful. It's got this like neon, like cyberpunky samurai kind of aesthetic with like carpenter brute kind of like electronic music that somehow fits and you're fighting like criminals there's this whole story about you breaking out of jail and then a crazy like space invasion finale thing that goes on where you're like a big like mech laser fight (laughs) and it's just so incredibly bizarre but I got like so into this game and it is very difficult as a thing. Like it's just boss challenges. So like you just fight a boss 15 times until you beat them, that kind of mentality of it. And I can genuinely remember a time where I was playing and a a friend of mine, we were just like, I don't know, we were just chatting and I was telling him, I was like, I'm stuck on this boss, like whatever, like, it's it's getting late, I'm stuck on this boss. And so he's like, I'll just stream it. Like I want to see the boss. So I ended up playing, I think, till like 2 a.m. one night. <laughs> and I had to like get up for work the next day or something. But I was just so determined, like, I'm getting better. I can beat this boss. <laughs> I'm really good at the like action kind of things. I'm really mm-hmm. good at the parry, the dodges, but I'm having trouble with the bullet hell kind of section. I, I think I can get it. And they're quite long, like with the multiple phases. And it's got a really good checkpoint system of like um, your health. Re, you have like um kind of like almost like a life health. it's kind of like a life sort of system where you have like three lives but if you make it to the next phase your lives all return it's just a checkpoint then so but it's yeah. but if you lose if you die you start at the beginning so it's not oh, like i see it's got like su- like like checkpoints within checkpoints almost yeah it's a pseudo checkpoint what's cool is it happens to the boss too so like when they knock one of your things back they can regen health as well so it's got this really like ebb and flow to it but anyway me and this friend we stayed up to like 2 a.m because like okay just one more time one more time <laughs> um oh it's just so good and i it has like hard modes like i've gone back and tried to like perfect bosses which is something i don't normally do because i'm like completing a game but i'm not a perfectionist where like knowing that i've beaten it is enough Mm -hmm. for me i don't have to beat it 100 percent. but i genuinely this is one of the only games i've ever gone back to and played like the bonus hard mode that was unlocked afterwards just because i had this void of like i don't have any more fury to play and this would give me more fury to play (laughs) it's the best feeling yeah it's a good game it's weird it's good (laughs) i should play it so for my best mechanic, uh, this is something we've talked about on the show already because I'm giving it to, can you guess, As Dusk Falls for the way that it handles its decision <laughs> the making handles. and the usage of it. Because mm-hmm. And you hit on this when you were talking about the game. So I don't want to be too redundant, but the way that they change the controls from something like Detroit or Until Dawn or Heavy Rain mm-hmm. or any of those other choice-based sort of narrative games and they put it from the controller onto your phone and they make it so multiple people can connect at once is the best new kind of mechanic for those games that could possibly be. And it's not just for the multiplayer reason, which is obviously better than passing the controller back and forth. It's because it's also more approachable for people that don't play a lot of games. Mm-hmm. And those are inherently games that those people may be drawn to because something like Call of Duty or you know 
God of War or Elden Ring or whatever is very action focused, it's going to be harder than something that's more like, oh, take your time, make a choice. And the fact that it's not a controller and you yeah. can use your phone, even, your device. The other games that you mentioned to compare to like Detroit and stuff, they typically tend to, well, they don't have lots of gameplay. They do quick time events, which is difficult yeah. for someone who's not super familiar with a controller because it's like press triangle really quickly. And it's like, well, which one was triangle? And then you've lost it. So they still have that exactly. kind of barrier in terms of accessibility, even though they're just story games. Yeah, exactly. But everyone's got a phone. Everyone's familiar with their own unique device. Like even passing someone an Xbox controller or something, they're like, oh, what the hell is this? Like, how do I hold it? They have that weird, like, I don't touch the shoulder buttons grip on it. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> it's like, okay, mom. But um, so the way it uses a phone is genius. It's just great for getting people into the game, but it, it lets anyone join in. And with the nature of the game being like, let's vote on these choices and see what like the democracy decides is what this character will do is a is a great combination um you know it's not it's not implemented super well like we had some issues with getting my controls off the xbox controller onto my phone mm. there were some issues with like the tv would still go to sleep mode and i'd have to touch the control stick even though i wasn't using the controller like weird stuff yeah. um i think it could be done actually um interestingly with a way of like if we wanted to improve this mechanic would be like give us a setting where we can't see what each other are voting because a lot of times mm -hmm. we'd be like deliberating on the couch playing together of what like okay are we going to enter this house or like run past it but then we would like deliberate on the couch and then I'll just vote for the same thing whereas it would be cool if there was a way to like make it a mystery and actually see what the vote would be had we not um, chosen our guesses out loud but the other thing uh, which this game adds on top of that for, for like we were pretty harmonious right like I said figuring out our answers there could be other groups or bigger groups where they don't all agree and you get the vote going on but you can also do an override in this game too which is like no you know what screw you guys like I really want to go with the first choice here I really want to like climb down the fire escape instead of going you know out the front door and you can override it and no matter what the vote is you'll get your choice and there was a few times where we did that when we were playing too and it just made that and we in the room we'd be like oh oh my god like you know I can't believe you went for the override uh, it just adds those dramatic moments. And I think, um, mm -hmm. you know, like you're saying, it's, it's kind of part and parcel with the co-op nature. Like these mechanics make the co-op as fun as it was, but I think these mechanics are really mm -hmm. just so strong. And although As Dust Falls isn't my favorite narrative of, uh, you know, a lot of mm -hmm. these choice-based games in terms of, um, you know, the controls and like the way they allow the game to be played in a multiplayer way. Um, I know there's some other ones that do cool things like online or, or you can do like a pass the controller mode, but for my money, this is the best um, the best way to do it because it allows the choices to be multiplayer, not just the quick time events, which is the pass the controller version. Yeah, 100%, 100% harsh agree. And you you touched on online as well, which I think is also a good thing. It's so easy, just hop on online, just join the server. You could have, you know, I, I don't even, I don't know if there's a limit, but it's a lot, it's a very large amount of players mm -hmm. you can have as well. And it's cool, you know, someone, you, it's a good way to spend time with someone. It's hard to play games online with people unless they're into like live service games or like, yeah. you know, I guess there's a lot of multiplayer games, but it's hard to play this kind of a game with someone online. And this is just, you know, pop in, get your mm -hmm. phone out. Mm -hmm. Awesome. We're all here. Exactly. That is a good thing. That That is a very, very good pick. Uh, Dust Falls is now our first ever game to be on a list from both of us, I think. That's a good point. It's won two awards in the same year. 
And two words in the same year, the first. Let's see if anything else uh, can can mirror <laughs> that. Uh, which leads us up to number six, the Metal Health Singer Award. I mean, the best music slash soundtrack yes, yes. of the year. Amazing. <laughs> and I think um, I think we both uh, went with Metal Health Singer here. Let's not beat around the bush too okay, hard. Okay, <laughs> so let me just say two things about this award. Number one, uh, any other year, Guardians of the Galaxy would have won this award because the soundtrack in that game... Um, let me just bring it up here. It is amazing. It's like '80s rock. It has. Uh, it's. I got the Spotify playlist here right now. I'm not gonna play it for anyone, obviously. But I mean, it's coming up here. You got "Turn Me Loose" by Loverboy. You got "Don't Fear the Reaper." You got "White Wedding." Hit me with your best shot. Um, Hanging tough. I ran so far away. Like they're just on and on. These these banger songs. There's like 79 songs in the whole soundtrack. Um, not all of them are licensed, but I mean, it's just an incredible like mixtape like you'd expect from the Guardian style stuff. And it's fantastic. But anyways, uh, all that being said, that goes to show just how phenomenal Metal Hellsinger's soundtrack was. Um, the whole thing all the way through. Um, where do you want to start with this one, Kate? It's just like the greatest gaming soundtrack of all time. Yes. Number two point that we should make is, come on, this was the only award... Well, I watched the Game Awards this year. The only award I was like, I won Metal Hellsinger to win so bad. I wanted Metal Hellsinger to take this award more than I wanted Elden Ring to win Game of the Year. <laughs> and I would never complain or, you know, be a jerk online about it afterwards. Mm -hmm. Like, God damn. <laughs> That's <laughs> why we can give it to our, our award show here tonight instead of the, exactly. the real Game Awards. That, come, you know, that's this is really good. why we are here today. Uh, <laughs> is to tell you that Two Feathers uh, did an amazing job. So... Uh, for anyone who hasn't seen Metal Health Singer, it is basically what if Doom, but it's a rhythm game. So they have an amazing like metal soundtrack and you are, you have to shoot like on beat. You get a lot of different weapons. They all have a slightly different cadence. Like for example, like I really liked the dual wielding pistols because you kind of shot on every mm -hmm. single Those beat. are my favorite ones whereas, too. Yeah. Whereas the shotgun, you'd kind of shoot and then you'd like reload and then you'd shoot again on like a subsequent beat. Even the reloading you had to do in time to the music, dashing was in time to the music. Um, it was 100% built around this soundtrack, which was absolute bangers. So Two Feathers did all of the instrumentals, but it's a heavy metal soundtrack. And they got in like an all-star cast of singers. We have like System of a Down and Ginger and Soilwork and Dark Tranquility and Arc Enemy Lamb and of Trivium. God. And Lamb of God, like they just got some massive singers to sing the tracks. And I think the best part of Hellsinger to me is when you start out, it's kind of got one of those um, like counters that shows like how well you're doing. So you start out like zero times and you're at two times score and three like times hero. score. Kind of like Guitar Hero, exactly. The better you do, the higher your score starts to go. And it, it begins with just the music, but it's when you hit that highest score that the vocals kick in. And there are not many times I've ever felt more badass in a game that when you're just really in the rhythm and you're just shooting like, you know, hell demons and then the lyrics kick in and you're just like, you're sitting in your chair, you're bopping your head, you're tapping your toes. <laughs> and holy fuck, it's so cool. It's such a cool game. <laughs> this game makes you move. It's like, it is a rhythm game. Like, you know, if you ever played a rhythm game, like obviously DDR, you got to stand up, but like, 
you know, Guitar Hero, any of those, you're, you kind of move along with the music, right? Like this mm-hmm. game is the same way. I could not help myself from, I was tapping my foot, but then your head starts going. You have to keep with the beat and the way you're right, it scaffolds on itself of like the drums and some mm-hmm. bass and some guitar. The way it adds up, it, it like the game is built around the rhythm first and foremost. It is a shooter for sure, but it's a rhythm game first. And it matches those mechanics with, um, with the soundtrack, which is so phenomenal and the reason it's winning the award. And with that said, um, we want to show you guys just a couple samples of our favorite songs from the game. Uh, so, Kate, what's your favorite song from Metal Hellsinger? Let's listen to a few seconds of it. Pretty confident going in, it would be the song featuring Ginger because I am a massive fan of that band. But actually, listening back to it, I listened to the whole mm-hmm. soundtrack mm-hmm. Uh, today and I, I was like bopping along. I was sitting at my desk at work, just like headbanging. <laughs> 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 my coworkers are looking at them. Okay. Um, so I got to this song and this song just hit me. Like I felt like I was playing the game, I had adrenaline rush up. I was so in the moment. My favorite song in this game is Stygia, uh, which is the song that features Alyssa White Gloss from Arc Enemy. Okay, well, let's listen to a little bit of this one now. Here it is. Ooh, I'm excited. Okay. okay, so I picked my favorite song as well, and I've got to say, uh, I went through a lot of trials and tribulations deciding which one I was going to go with, but you know, at the end of the day, Kate, it looks like we're going to listen to some Ginger anyways, because mine was Burial <laughs> at Night featuring Tatiana yes. from Ginger, uh, so I'll play some of that now as well. All right, well, there we have it. And that leads us to our next award, which is the most screenshotable game of the year. Uh, Basically our way of saying, wow, this game is beautiful. So Kate, I'm interested to know, what is the most screenshotable game that you played on this year, the year of our Lord? I don't know why I said that. 2022. (laughs) (laughs) Our Lord passed from from, uh, Metal Hall Singer. Um, So... I've, I've ran two games already you've suggested, Unpacking, and of course you lent me Metroid Dread. Mm-hmm. I am onto a game, uh, the third game on the list that you recommended wow, to I'm me. Wow, I'm on a roll. I'm kind of winning these You're awards on a roll. twice. Yeah, you are on a roll. It's okay, Elden Ring made it on your list. I've won already. <laughs> um, but this is going to come totally out of left field because it is not a recent game. But I'd never played it before. I played What Remains of Edith Finch. Ooh, good one. Now, this game is pretty. It definitely is good uh, visually. It is dated. So it's less of the wow factor of like, you know, the new modern AAA graphics and more of the amazing art direction, the design of the game, and just the outstanding creativity on display here. So the 
premises, you're this girl, you go to like your old family house, which is really not up to safety regulations in the slightest. (laughs) It's just sort of bits of house kind of like piled and built on top of each other. It's super wonky, super fantasy, kind of think almost like the burrow from the Harry Potter movies and how like topsy-turvy that house is. Uh, It's kind of got a little bit of that energy, but you have this like extended family that have all like tragically died. You are the last finch remaining. And you kind of walk through the house. Um, There's a little bit of like puzzle solving and like little like kind of almost mini games. There's some gameplay involved, but for the most part, it's very much like an interactive kind of story. And you kind of relive like how each character in the family had died. And it has this really nice overarching narrative about, you know, like family and loss and like moving on and like, you know, her being a finch and what that meant to her. But to get to the point of it being really visually interesting is that every time you kind of go into one of these characters' stories, it totally changes art style. You are put into some like crazy new environment. Like you spend half of the game totally outside of the house and just in these like beautiful dreamscapes. So like in one time you're like, at one point you're a cat and you're like, you know, jumping in trees and you become various sorts of animals. And then in another one, you are like in a bath, like one of the kids kids drowned in a bath, but it does this like (laughs) underwater world where you're like swimming around in the bath, like as if it's the ocean, but like, you know, there's like a little frog toy swimming around beside you, like all the toys the kid had in the bath. And then later you're like in a campy, like 80s comic book murder mystery kind of story. And I don't want to spoil all of them because it's just such a delight. But the one that sticks to me the most, and I won't spoil what it is. Is it, is it the fish? It's the fish. You are chopping fish at some cannery and it's superimposed on another story taking place. And it blew my mind. And just how you're watching this, this fantasy kind of story unfold. But over top of it, you've got this like fish chopping uh that that ties in really well Mm -hmm. with their character's life and just i feel like every 20 minutes in this game you're having a like wow moment of oh my god like look what we're doing next like it's so creative it's so beautiful it really straddles this line between like crazy over-the-top fantasy but also grounded in the story of the world and the characters the house itself is really nice you get some nice vistas uh, and some just really nice like design work put into the house itself. And I just was like blown away by this game. I actually, I so I played it on Steam and it was like the original version of the game. I noticed on a PS, on a PlayStation sale recently that there's like a upgraded version of the game that's got like PS5 right, yeah, like yeah. up res and all that stuff. And it was on sale. So I bought the game after I'd played it so that I can play it again at some point on the PlayStation with like upgraded visuals. And I haven't even touched that yet, but it's still winning this award. (laughs) What better evidence is there of the best visuals than when you buy an upgraded award? This is one of the games that like kicked off indies being a big deal. And first of all, thank you. Indies are a big deal. But second of all, like this game just deserves all the recognition it gets. It's amazing. 
100% agree. What a game. I would never have thought to put it for most screenshotable, <laughs> but you're right. It does have, yeah. not in the like the beauty moments, but in like the way of like, wow, what an amazing thing to see. It's just so creative. It's it the is. creativity that comes through in almost every single moment and just the variety of the different things that you do. Like you could have went more surprising very, very easily yeah. because you just, you never know what's around the corner, but it's beautiful. Great game. That fish scene is one of the best scenes in any game ever. <laughs> In anything ever, anything ever. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. The fish <laughs> I love scene. It. Well, my most screenshotable game, I went more of the traditional route in terms of, wow, this game is just beautiful, but it might not be what a lot of people expect because it is a 2D game. It is a DLC. It is Cuphead, the delicious last course. <laughs> yeah. How can this not win the most screenshotable game? And I'll, there's one argument for it, which is that this cartoon, for those of you that don't know what Cuphead is, you should look it up. It looks like a Saturday morning cartoon, but it's playable. It literally looks like something you would see on TV on like an 80s kind of Saturday morning Mickey Mouse, so like Tom like and Jerry sort of yeah. style art. But it it's just immaculate. There's never anything that's out of place. There's no details missed. There is no you know, level of polish that is spared in making this game. It just looks fantastic. And the way everything moves around, um, I would say it's better in movement than it is just like still screenshots. So that's maybe one little disservice, but if we can expand screenshotable to, you know, record short videos, then it really counts. Record 15 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the variety of the, this game has such a distinct style despite having such a variety of enemies, you know. I'm just looking back on some some bosses now and there's these, different so angel the, devil kind of one the way they move too, like the mm -hmm. squash and stretch that's so like yeah canonical to that time period right like i always remember the dragon he like sucks in air and shoots fire but it's like his whole body just and then exactly he puffs up like a big like bellows like a bellow. and then, and then yeah. Yeah, it goes out it's very much like yeah if you you notice like oh uh who's the guy in bugs bunny that would always get like a piano dropped on him and he would get like compressed mm. down into like a slinky the coyote yeah and then coyote, pop yeah. back up and he'd be super tall it's just like that kind of animation but there's you know the angel and the devil coming from each side of the screen you're dodging things there's a cow with a suction uh vacuum kind of like luigi's mansion like blowing things and then spitting them back out at you and it is just such a spectacle the whole time and i don't know how they make everything so bright and vibrant and animated and yet it still all just makes visual sense you know there's sometimes you can play play a game and it just gets a little cluttered or you're like oh there's so much going on on this screen i'm a little confused of what my eye should be paying attention to and cuphead just has this incredible way that they balance their colors and they balance the art direction of the game between the backgrounds and the foregrounds where you can somehow pay attention to all these beautiful scenes and still be picking out details and little animations here and there but your eye can also keep track of all the things you're trying to dodge and all these little pink icons that you can parry off of. And it just is this great balance of visual styles that I think works so well for the the type of gameplay and the boss rush sort of bullet hell thing it's going for. Um, and the other thing for Cuphead, which is just icing on the cake, is the overworld, uh, which you walk around sort of the yeah. map you go on. Um, it kind of ditches the cartoon style that the levels go for. And instead, it's almost like a painterly aesthetic kind of storybook that you walk around <clears throat> almost like a, like a yeah like an old school um book you know like in kingdom hearts they go in that winnie the pooh book yeah in the winnie the pooh. like it's almost like walking on that if for anyone that sees that mm -hmm. has seen that before um and they just are do such a pristine job like i couldn't imagine these characters have could be improved in any way like this is the best they could be it the only thing that 
that reminds me to that level of polish in the character designs if a recent memory of something I've played is surprisingly it's Shovel Knight. I really love the way some of those bosses are designed. Mm-hmm. But when you put in the factor of how they move and how they animate and all the little things that go into every little yeah. essence of these characters, like Cuphead is just on another level. Well, I feel like there's a reason that no other game has ever looked like Cuphead. Like the amount mm-hmm. of work they must put into doing all these hand-drawn, like beautiful animations and the level to which they pull it off at is outrageous like cuphead totally deserving i forgot that dlc came mm-hmm. out i was trying to think mm-hmm. of what you put but yeah like clear yeah, clear it was winner. an easy winner for me for sure and a game which is like you know it, it's a really good game i wouldn't i don't know if i would have put it in any of these other categories but it's so perfect for screenshotable that it has to go um is it my turn to ask you first i think it is right i think it is I, no, it's I your turn. Track. Uh, no it's, it's you you're turn? asking me go go okay i'm gonna ask you all right go 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 this is number eight, the award where I find out if God of War is your game of the year <laughs> or if it's here, because this is, of course, the favorite character award. And um, oh God, I can't take the suspense. Just tell me. Just tell me. It is. I know. <laughs> I deliberated on this for so long. Mm. I didn't know what to do. And, you know, you were telling me a story before we started this podcast that you didn't want to include God of War on your list because you hadn't beaten the game and you didn't feel right awarding it something when you had just hadn't played enough um, mm-hmm. to really see, right? And this is where I draw my line is that I can't give God of War my game of the year if I've not beaten it. Um, just because mm-hmm. I, I just think that feels wrong. You know, there's been sometimes we've talked about games on the, on the show and we've kind of had a change of heart or a different opinion. And I just don't feel right doing that. And so this is where I'm gonna give our boy Kratos uh, my favorite character of the year. There's Sindri in a trance. I know there's Sindri in a trance. I know, I know. But come on. Oh, it's Kratos. Yeah, it's Kratos. It's Kratos. It's Kratos. Always was. I mean, here's the thing that I would say about Kratos. It's an interesting argument for performance because I think a lot of the time people go for the funny characters or the characters like Sindri or the characters that have, you know, more just more dialogue. They They show more range. Like people always talk about, oh, look at this character's range. Like they can play any kind of role. Whereas Kratos, well, he does have certainly a lot more range than he's shown in the past in terms of, you know, digging into his more emotional side. He definitely is a lot more stoic and one note than a lot of main characters. And I think a lot of characters actually get criticized for being that way and being kind of like, oh, that character is very one note. And I wouldn't say Kratos is one note, but he's certainly more along those lines than other main characters. But that's the thing. It just doesn't matter because their performance is so strong. Uh, I would argue that Kratos is actually a very deep and complex character. He's just very, he keeps everything very guarded very closely. So when he does have, you know, those emotional scenes, it's typically quite like subtle and more kept to his chest. Like instead of having a big outburst where he's like crying or like, you know, like rearing from something, it's, it's maybe one very quick, like, you know, stern word. And then he's like, okay, like calm back in myself, hold the emotions in, but it, it's still portraying the same thing. It's just, he's so like stoic. Exactly. And and I think that's kind of what I was getting to was just mm-hmm. sort of the way that this character is portrayed and clearly does have those feelings, but doesn't, there's just that subtlety of the human expression that you can sort of pick up by the lines on someone's face or like a little glance or like a little movement that this kind of, 
you know, it's lost in translation in games a lot of the time, I feel, just in comparison to what a what an actor can do on a movie or someone in person. But I, I truly think, and you know, as I've moved through the game, I'm towards like the back section of it now for sure. And there's been moments where I've been able to sort of pick those little lines out on Kratos's face or the way he'll like there's one scene where Atreus comes for a hug and then he kind of lets go and then and then you see him kind of have that hesitation moment and then go back in for more of the hug and it's just those tiny human moments are just being so knocked out of the park and for a character that comes from a beginning which a lot of people probably playing God of War don't even know those games existed on the PS2 and have no idea as was evidenced by that one post online saying that it would be great if they did some Greek mythology in God of War in the future yeah <laughs> which is hilarious it would be great <laughs> but um I mean the way this character just had a, a glow up from you know mindless killing machine PS2 avatar who looks cool with his paint on his body which is loosely explained to being almost you know developed into this pinnacle of what gaming characterization can be in character growth and relationships and gaming um on top of i mean we talk about who has the fullest package kratos has some of the coolest weaponry and amazing skill trees and it moves oh. and attacks <laughs> and finishers so i thought for sure you were gonna i thought for sure you're gonna point out his rock hard abs when you said that <laughs> that's right because <laughs> he's got those right. too i mean kratos hard workout regime as well he's a dedicated man yeah exactly but i mean here's the thing the fact of the matter is i could spend this long talking about the characterization of this guy and not even talk about the biggest part of the game arguably which is the combat and the way you move around and and everything mm-hmm. that you can do with him physically to to you know fight the enemies in the game it's just a master class and i love this character and i don't know how the game ends so i'm not going to speculate but um i mean i've just enjoyed every second i've had with Kratos, um, especially over 2018 and this game as well. So best character, happy to win the award uh, this year for me. Well-deserved. I had Kratos written down for a long time for this one. Um, it was Kratos, Connor, uh, and and what I actually picked, uh, which I will <clears> say. <throat> but yeah, shout out to Kratos. A game can win two years in a row. Wild if a character <laughs> from that That's game, wild. just That's even true. more specific, could win two years in a row. And... I will be shocked if I don't cry at the end of Ragnarok. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no matter what happens. <laughs> he he will make a return, I'm sure. Um, that's awesome. I went with the other family duo mm-hmm. of this year. Amicia! And- Amicia! <laughs> and it was, of course, Hugo <laughs> from Plague Tale Requiem. Uh, shout out to Amicia for being a very strong contender for Requiem. And I mean, they kind of come as a package deal, so it's a little bit difficult to separate them. But I had to go with Hugo because a video game character has never made me cry before. And I cried finishing the end of this game. <laughs> it's wow. so good. Like, you just really fall in love with this kid. Um, of course, like the whole Plague Tale story, it picks off right from one. It's kind of kind of mirrored to God of War in a way where it's it's the sequel to a game that was very story focused, very character focused um, about a relationship where the two characters kind of start out a bit estranged from each other. And, you know, they've got their own hang ups and they develop a relationship. You see it grow over time. Hugo... And of course, there's a younger child involved. So there's a lot of similarities. But Hugo, to me, was just, you can't help but love him. He is a child. 
He is, you know, silly. He is funny. He is wise beyond his years often, but he's just got that innocence that you'd want to protect him so much. Mm -hmm. And the whole plot of two is basically like Hugo's sick. We need to save him because he might die. Amicia, I'm going to die. Amicia, please. (laughs) And I just, I was like, I swear to God, if something happens to this kid, like, I'm going to go on a rampage. I was so mad. And I played this game stressed like 80% of the time. So I was like, oh God, what if Hugo dies? Oh God, what if Hugo dies? And I won't tell you what happens in the end if he dies Mm -hmm. or if he makes it. I will be finding out very shortly. But I love this kid. Like he's he's smart. He's funny. Like there's one scene where um, they kind of they go through all this shit. Like it's a dark, horrible game. But he's got that kind of like child's like optimism, where like you know you do all the horrible things, but then they get to a nice field, a beautiful, wonderful flower field. And Hugo's been sick. He's been coughing. He's like passed out multiple times. But they get this this field, and there's like one big massive tree. And in the field, and he turns to Amicia. They decide they're gonna have a race or whatever. And so he cheats. He starts running faster <laughs> than her, and um, he gets the tree first. And then he's like, "Oh, now I'm the king! Like you gotta treat me like I'm the king because I won." And he's just sort of being a little shit about it <laughs> more than <laughs> anything else. But it's just those small moments that you get between characters that are like. It's just that relationship. It's that warmth. It's all the micro affections of like, you know, if they're walking somewhere, she'll put a hand on his shoulder or, you know, if, if there's something that worries him, he's looking up to her to, to see if she's scared so that he knows if he needs to be scared or not. It's, it's him kind of having that vulnerable and child innocence. But then also there's parts of the game where he kind of steps up and he takes mm-hmm. control. She's falling apart and he's the strong one for the group. And oh God, I just, I just love Hugo. <laughs> like, <laughs> man, I would do anything for this kid. I swear. Likeable. Very likable. <laughs> He's such a great little kid. I love Hugo. He just likes to collect feathers. You know, he just does cute kid shit like that. Where like he used to pick flowers for him in the first game, and in the second mm-hmm, game you pick mm-hmm. a flower for him. He's like, oh, I don't like flowers anymore. <laughs> it's like, oh, flowers are boring. You know, like lasagna is not his favorite meal anymore. Just randomly. Yeah, not chicken fingers. He doesn't are. like. He doesn't like flowers, but then you find a bird feather. He's like, "Oh, I do like birds," and he's so excited because now you can collect bird feathers. <laughs> and oh man, just it's I'm just excited to play this. Cute. It's on. It's next on the list of my big games oh, to play after God of War. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm stressed. I'm stressed all over again for you to play this game. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah. Uh, and neither will you have go. to wait for our next award. We're getting down to it now. There's only three awards <laughs> left to go. Uh, the next one here is most unique game, not quite like anything you've ever played before or ever will again. And I know we're not reading the descriptions, but I really like that description a lot because it's mysterious and you never know if you'll quite play something like that again. So um, what's your most unique game of the year, Kate? This is going to be a rapid fire round because mm-hmm. it is inscription. Don't look anything up. I'm t- going to tell you nothing about it. Just sit down, play it. And be taken on an incredible journey. (laughs) (laughs) What more can you say about that game? Uh, I did not put Inscription as mine because I put a game, (laughs) Signs of the Sojourner, which is a game that I played on Game Pass earlier this year, uh, which is a fascinating game. It's so unique because it's about language and communication, which is a topic that I think a lot of games 
Like, you obviously communicate in a lot of games, but there's not a lot of games built around the act of having a conversation, especially when that game takes the play the form of a deck builder, which is really interesting. The whole game, uh, you're basically playing as this kid who is taking over, uh, I believe her mother's role is kind of a delivery person in this series of little villages that live around near each other in this area. And you basically go around to these different places, you're having conversations with people through card games, and the, the, the games basically are just different symbols on these cards in your hand, and you're trying to match them with what the other people have. So if you have a triangle and they have a triangle, you can play those cards and they'll match, and then you can advance your conversation. And the whole game comes to being to, to be like, okay, how am I going to talk to these people? What cards am I going to put in my deck? If I learn to talk this type of language, you know, this person's very empathetic. They have a lot of triangles, which could represent empathy. Then when you talk to someone who's more stern later on and a bit more like self-centered, they have a lot of squares or whatever shape represents that. Then you might have a hard time talking to them and advancing your relationship there, but vice versa. And so, um, you know, taking cards from other people's deck once you've talked to them is like representative of learning their perspective or learning how they like to talk about the world. And I just think that's such a great concept and a unique way to look at, at language and how you sort of take language from those you speak with into your own vocabulary which is your deck of cards it's so symbolic and so lovely and i just think it's so so unique uh, and a very fun game on top of that beautiful little package i i need to get around to playing mm -hmm. that game even just for the premise alone like yeah i think like it's definitely saying a lot like i did play maybe an hour of the game and i just never um i just wanted to check it out quickly uh mm -hmm. before like getting to playing it but it's a little bit like simplistic, I guess. Like the themes are really good. The actual mm -hmm. like way it plays out is is very simple, but it is just such a, a clever idea. And it's almost one of those games that is so unique, but it's almost surprising like why we've never Yeah. Seen it. Like, it's yeah, not yeah. complicated, but it is so incredibly unique. You're right. Yeah, no, it is. And it's a it's a cool game. Like I think anyone could play it. You can't really lose, I don't think, but you definitely wouldn't get to see, you know, the final parts of some of the conversations if you don't sort of, you know, use that deck building skill built up over years of Slay the Spire to and Marvel Snap <laughs> to kind of get the right. most out of your, your deck. So, you know, there's something in it for everybody, I think. Mm -hmm. That is fantastic. So that leads us into number 10, which is the final award before we get into our ultimate uh, game of the year winners. Uh, and this is a new category for the show, but a really strong <clears> one I think we'll keep around. And this is for best ending. So uh, as we described it before, best boss fight, story beat, revelation, just whatever kind of wowed you at the end. It just sort of like was that yes, final yes. punch at the end of the game. So, Well, this, this is a tough here. one, you know, and I, I had a few ideas in my head. Actually, Cuphead was on the list for this one. I loved the final boss of uh, Delicious Last Course. I think it was great. But, you know, this is something we've talked about, and I, I'm wondering if we have the same game here. I'm beginning to think we do not have the same game here. Um, and I'm beginning to think that you're, you've chosen something that's made me sad for your best boss, best ending. <laughs> we'll see. But mine is Death's Door because I played this this year. Um, and now well, that I'm thinking about it. Here's the thing. I had Death's, Death's Door written before. down for this. And then I realized it won an award last yes. year. Okay, so, so this is what scrapped it. So Death's <laughs> Door... Death's Door is something that you and I talk about, and I know you're here in spirit with me as saying this is the best ending to a game because it, it truly is the best wrap-up 
of a game that I think I've ever played. I think I think it literally is the best because what it is, it's just, you know, for, for people who have not played Death's Door, it's kind of a top-down, asymmetric um, combat slash puzzle challenge kind of Metroidvania style. It's not really Metroidvania. You know what I'm trying to say. It's one of those Zelda, top-down Zelda type of games. Mm-hmm. But this boss fight is just so phenomenal at the end of the game because you have a variety of different kind of traversal skills and different attacks, and it puts it all together in such a fun, challenging, you know, thought-provoking boss fight that I think is just great. You're kind of running from this guy. Uh, it's all, you're going through different locations from the game. You know, some of it takes place in sort of the hub world, which is a cool little twist. And then you're like, oh, you're running, but now you're avoiding this new attack. And now he's weak to this different weapon that you have. And, oh, now we're going to be running again, but we're grappling this time. And now we're trying to dodge him while he does this. And then you're figuring out what he's weak to. And it's just this sensory overload, but in a way where you don't feel confused because it's just building those mechanics you've used throughout the game and really testing what you've learned and how to use those abilities that you've got for one last challenge, which I think is, especially in a game that's this short, um, where you, you've yeah. used them all relatively recently and frequently throughout the game, where it's, it just builds your skills for one final test. Um, and it just does it so, so well. Uh, I can't say enough good things about it. And I just think this game is phenomenally crafted, especially towards the end. Uh, what a ride. Death's Door, everybody could not agree more i share the exact same sentiment it is one of my favorite boss fights of all time for that exact reason of it's not just hard it's not just the big guy you've been leading up to it is everything you've done tested Mm -hmm. and you're and you're forced to do it that way too it's not like you can Mm -hmm. you can optionally do it a certain way but if you build your character a certain way you can play your style or something Mm -hmm. and it's not to say that's bad but for death's door and like the specific skill set that it gives you and the way that it uses that skill set and puts it all together into one package, I just think is so well-crafted. I'm so glad you put it there because I was devastated when I found out. <laughs> I genuinely came up with this award because I wanted to give it to Death's Door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was genuinely, I pitched this one to James. Like, oh, that's a good idea. I pitched this one kind of as a last-minute topic because I wanted to slot Death's Door into it. And then I found out that I could, Death's Door was invalid for me. <laughs> so I am, I am absolutely thrilled. This is serendipitous. I'm so pleased. The other thing, too, is a quick shout out is Destro has actually a really good story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a really interesting That's kind true. of perspective on like how death is a natural thing and kind of shifting that perspective of like, you know, remorse and regret around death to like, you know, this is natural and it's it's how new life grows. And I, I think like they wrap the story up really nicely as well. And even though it was definitely like more in the background than the gameplay. So Good show, I love good show. Story. See, that's why that's why we do this podcast together because we got each other's backs, <laughs> and you filled that one in for me beautifully. Exactly, exactly. Well, James, I will scratch your back one last time because this game yeah. again is you bugged me to play. It's true, and I finally did. And very early on in this year, I completed The Last of Us, and then I played later the DLC, um, the Ellie expansion DLC. Mm-hmm. So I've not mm-hmm. played two yet. So. I don't know where this game goes from the ending, but I do know that it has one of the best endings of any game I've ever played in that final sequences. Not so much mechanic wise. um, It felt pretty similar to the rest of the game, but just in terms of story, which to me, I think is, is the reason to play the last of us. That ambiguity of where it ends off with how Joel and Ellie 
mm-hmm. are, what they mean to each other. Yeah. So the, the choice Joel made is so understandable. Like it's it's hard to you can make an argument for if if it was the right choice or if it was the wrong choice. And it's just so incredibly human. And their relationship was fascinating to watch unfold, even mm-hmm. if maybe it was a little bit predictable. Uh, it was just the journey was so worth it. And that ending kind of it's very bittersweet because it's on one hand, you know, they made it, it's positive, but it was really not what the characters expected, right? Like it, they didn't have a cure like they thought, you know, they're not necessarily on on the same page anymore, even though they'd been building up this re- mm-hmm. this relationship together. And, you know, there's there's that level of like, Ellie wanted to kind of be like his child or be treated like a family. And Joel finally steps into that position of like, I think of her like my my daughter and then because of that he lies to her and he does it to protect her but Mm -hmm. she doesn't want that like she's used to being independent she doesn't want to be protected she wants to be loved and be a family but she doesn't appreciate the lie and he's doing it from this genuine sense of like you know this is I wouldn't want my child to have to know this and it's just it's such an emotional roller coaster and it culminates in this beautiful package of it, it really fits the tone of the game. Like if everything just had ended totally on a happy note, everything worked out, it wouldn't have fit The Last of Us. It wouldn't have felt genuine. This to me feels like what would happen with these characters. They both still have a lot of growing to do. They're both still in a horrible position, all things said and done. And I just felt like I needed to wait for two to like mm-hmm. ruminate on this ending for a little bit and just sit with it because this could genuinely I think have been the end of the game and I would be satisfied with the end of Joel and Ellie's story I think so too and I think something that's beautiful about it is that there is that lack of closure because I think Mm -hmm. it's like humanizing you know because very rarely are things like finitely done in your life you know like there's some really rare events I think around that and to wrap it all up with a pretty little bow would almost be inhumanizing in a way that the rest of the game treats it life and like humanity is such a delicate thing and so i think that's like really on topic the way that they do leave it on the yeah that's a good way to put it because if it wrapped up neatly it feels like a story then right like Mm -hmm. that's not a story story. this is supposed to be a look into like the lives of these people in this situation even though it's exactly like they're so human, like you get to know them so well that you can genuinely sit and speculate on like, what do I think they're going to do next? Like, I'm sure there were tons of fan theories after this game came mm-hmm. out of like, you know, what's going to happen? You know, like, is Ellie ever going to confront him? Is she going to forgive him? Is it going to be like held over the relationship forever? Will they part ways? Like, you know, what what will their plan be? Yeah. And there's just so much to unpack in such a simple and elegant ending to the game. and even just some of the sequences leading up to it, like there's that sequence where they see the giraffes for the first time, just before you kind of get to the last sequence. And you just have that moment of kind of like calm before the storm where they get to see like a, a rare moment of beauty in, in the world. Mm-hmm. And then everything that goes down and, and, you know, the hectic escape and Joel making those snap decisions and, you know, everything getting turned on its head. And then finally another moment of quiet at the very end. But instead of beauty this time, it's like, it's the quiet of uncertainty. And Ooh. I just, oh, Chills down I the love spine, Kate. Chills <laughs> down the spine. Ooh. 
you know what? These two are a ringer for best character as well. Like th that is a tough uh, category we came up with because they man, are. That's true. characters are characters are what you fall in love with with a game sometimes, and they're what sticks with you afterwards. But that's seriously my... a really hard category. In certain years, like best <laughs> yeah. favorite character might be like the one that's like, oh my it's, god, it's the it's the stress. It's the stress so much. But Last of Us, amazing game. I uh, finished it right before the remake came out. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Good timing. Um, but yeah, 2023 will be on to number two, I hope. All right. <laughs> looking forward to it. Just as I am looking forward to our last award of the show, which is, of course, Game of the Year. The game your brain will not just not shut up about. Um, and although I need to pose this as a question, Kate, I'm sure I don't really need to ask. Uh, <laughs> what is your Game of the Year for 2022 well there has been uh something surprisingly missing from my list <laughs> so far and after 160 hours spent in limgrave uh and beyond, <laughs> and beyond. It's, of course, it's of course elden ring um i've talked about it a lot on the show a lot of it really excited i've talked a lot of negative on the show as well mm. i think the first 100 hours are a lot stronger than the final 60. But at the end but of the sometimes day... sometimes there's beauty and imperfection, Kate, you know? At the end of the day, Elden Ring is the behemoth that just would not stop. I would think about this game at work, come home, play it, go back to work the next day, be thinking about Elden Ring. It is some of the highest highs FromSoft has ever had. Some of the areas are just incredible. You mentioned going down to Nokron for your first time. The bosses, the world, the animations, how everything looks, the lore in this game. You talk to two giant fingers. <laughs> the the <laughs> reveal. Sure there's there's Even some I crazy reveal. <laughs> there's some crazy reveal twists at the end of two characters being the same person. Like just crazy, wild, wacky shit going on. And just the amount that they were able to achieve, everything they've learned up until this point has brought them to Elden Ring. And you can see the DNA of all their previous games, but there's also so much innovation. Like it is insane how much they put into this game. I played 160 hours to beat it. That is outrageous. That is not a single minute of grinding or of like going out of my way to do extra shit because I looked something up. Like it is just like you just breadcrumbed forever and ever and ever and you're exploring this amazing world. And I genuinely look back on this list and Elden Ring, aside from our best co-op award, which to be fair, Elden Ring does have co-op and multiplayer. I just personally didn't engage with it very much. But aside from that, it genuinely contends for every single other award on this list, including funny, because Elden Ring's funny shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I think, like, how does it not end up being your game of the year when it, it these are the best aspects of games or things that, you know, stand out mm -hmm. and are exciting about gaming? And Elden Ring is on is a, a shoo-in for every single one. Like, that is a masterpiece game for me. What more can you say when you put it like that? <laughs> How can you follow that up? Jeez. Well, I can follow that up with four <laughs> words for you, Kate. Four words. Sacrifices <laughs> must be made. Ah, oh, it's inscription, right? <laughs> <clears throat> is it? Is it inscription? The game, my game of the year, is inscription. 
Yes. A game designed by one Daniel Mullins uh, with the theme mm-hmm. of sacrifices must be made. And so that is the theme of the game. And it is very fitting because this game, this is one that's so hard to talk about. And we've we've talked about it on the yeah. show before, but it is something that legitimately cannot be discussed in detail because there's just so much unexpectedness in this game. Like you said, most unexpected game. You won, gave it that award to this to Inscription. And it's so true. We def- we desperately need to do a spoiler cast on this game because we do. to talk about some of the things that happen and some of the things you see and just some of the places this game goes would be to completely, I wouldn't say make it, you know, not worth playing because it is still worth playing, but it just takes it away. Like the, the, the magic of the game is the surprise. But what you can talk about is the rock solid deck building game that this is stripped out of everything else. I mean, the, this this deck building game, we've t- we talk about deck builders a lot on our award shows, but it is <laughs> fantastic. Uh, it's so approachable in a way that I like where you don't have to build your deck in advance. You kind of get one card per round and you build on it mm-hmm. slowly and see, oh, this goes well with three things I already have. I'll take this and put it in my deck. And then, oh, next time, oh, mm-hmm. I've got three birds already. I'll take a bird this time. So you're building it so nicely and slowly. You go, you're navigating through the map. And then the theming of the game is what sets it all apart. Like, it's just that gritty dark like dirty dingy the cards have a tangibility creepy. to it it's creepy it's there's friction yeah we talk you know we talk about the sound of it of like when a card gets played on the table and mm-hmm. it kind of slops down onto it and when, when the teeth fall out of the bowl and they're clinking yeah, around they, and, oh, oh man you can just hear it and you can I've, i can never i can close my eyes and put myself in that cabin room from inscription mm-hmm. sitting at that table at that table right here playing yeah. that card game and those creepy hands it's that come so over the table immersive. to oh, grab you <laughs> like i can feel them grabbing me man right i just the hairs on the back of my neck just all stood up mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, yeah inscriptions uh, so so good like it deserves it in another year it could have easily been my game yeah. of the year like i fell in love with inscription i am in love with inscription I played all through the. Um, I mean, you played more like than bonus. I have at this point. I think I played all through the bonus version and beat mm-hmm. every single like deck configuration that you can start out with. Uh, it yeah, it's a good game. It's so much more than just a deck builder, but the deck builder part of it is also magnificent. <laughs> yeah, and that's why it's that's why it's just such a phenomenal game to me because you could remove just the deck building game and it would still be like an A tier deck building game, like right up there in conversation with the best ones out there. Um, you know, Slay the Spire, whatever you want to put in there for the games that we like. But then you add in all the other stuff. You know, people do know it's got escape room elements. You know, you're in that cabin at the start of the game. You're kind of looking around. You can get up from the table during the game and, oh, I'm going to go look around on these shelves and see what kind of weird things are over here. Or there, oh, there's a cuckoo clock on the wall. Like, I wonder what that's for. Why, when I walk over to this guy across the table from me, why is it still so dark and I can't really see his face? You know, mm-hmm. oh, there's a book on the shelf over here with some rules written in it. But Oh, I can't really read all the pages. There's something blocking my sight. There's just so many mm. mysteries that you unravel as you go. And and obviously more like we've been saying and kind of teasing, just get added on. But it's like the everlasting gobstopper of just these, these little mysteries and little breadcrumbs of like, oh, something's just not quite right with this. And it's yeah. just such a fascinating little box of curiosities that I just, mm-hmm. I, I'm so enamored by this game, Kate. I got to tell you, yeah. like I said to you before, <laughs> when I played this game, um, before I even introduced it to you, I was like, this might be, this is like in the conversation for my favorite game I've ever played. And 
after finishing it and I still poke pop back into once or twice a week I'll have a run of uh Gary's mod which is or no it's not Gary's mod it's uh Casey's mod Casey's mod Casey. Gary's mo- Gary's mod is that other stupid Gary's thing, mod that's stupid. Like Steam thing. <laughs> Gary's mod yeah, my not that, not that. but um I still no. pop in play some Casey's mod um and I just think this game is phenomenal and when we do the next uh you know our best top games of all time list or when I make my own personal one like this is legitimately in the conversation this game is contender for winning that list i'll tell you right now like it is it is like top of my list Mm -hmm. i know i'm not going to get another FromSoft game in there so honestly i could be pushing (laughs) inscription yeah it's phenomenal it is phenomenal you must play it everybody and Stoat. Shout out to Stoat, a very good character. <laughs> Shout out Tough to Stoat. competition for Stoat this year, but Stoat, very, yeah. very uh, close yeah. running. Stinkbug, maybe not so much. Stoat, you're pretty close, my man. Pretty close. <laughs> mm-hmm. And wow. Green Slime. Shout out to Green <laughs> Slime. <laughs> Amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, there you have it, folks. It's our awards. We gave away all of our Cloud Cups for 2022. 11 cups each for 22 total awards. Um, wow, so many. Amazing. <laughs> Next year is going to be tough to balance that out. <laughs> I don't know how you get 23 cups. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Just to wrap it up, do you want to go over each award and your, your winner there, Kate? Rapid fire style? Sure. A rapid fire style. Um, most surprising. Unpacking. Best co-op. As Dust Falls. Funniest game. The hilarious. Metroid Dread. So many jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Best comfort food. Monster Sanctuary. Best new mechanic. Fury. Uh, the best... Metal Hellsinger soundtrack award to Metal Hellsinger. Most screenshotable, What Remains of Edith Finch. Favorite character, Hugo from Plague Tale Requiem. <laughs> Most unique game, Inscription. Best ending, The Last of Us. And finally, Golden Game of the Year for the Golden Grace itself, Elden Ring. <laughs> Congratulations. And for me, we have the following Most Surprising Game, Elden Ring. Best Co op, Fortnite. Funniest game, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Best comfort food, obviously Marvel Snap. Uh, Marvel Snap. Uh, best new music, best new mechanic, As Dusk Falls. Best music or soundtrack is Metal Hellsinger. Most screenshotable, Cuphead, The Delicious Last Course. Favorite character is Kratos from God of War. Most unique game, Signs of the Sojourner. Best ending, Death's Door. And finally, game of the year, Inscription. Ooh, best game ever. We will see you next time. Uh, but that'll be in a future episode, everybody, because for now, this is going to end off a monster podcast for us. Uh, we just want to say thank you one more time for supporting the show throughout the whole year. Uh, thank you so much. We hope you've sincerely enjoyed listening half as much as we've enjoyed making this content. And then we're all having a great time, aren't we? Uh- <laughs> Sounds so disingenuous. It does sound so disingenuous. <laughs> James, blink twice if you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine, Kate. I'm just tired. And we have another episode to record right after this because we have a little little special gift coming out on Christmas for everyone as well. Although that's going to be... Um, you know, that's a whole other thing. Let's get out of here. Uh, like we said, thank you for the support, everybody. And this has been Cloud Control, the gaming podcast that's not just good, it's good enough. And we'll see you on the next episode.